Our text this morning is Psalm 131. Psalm 131. If you'd please open your Bible or navigate on your device. The topic we find there, David encourages us to act like a weaned child rather than remain an anxious and fretting nursing infant. The title of our message, Don't Worry Baby, Being Weaned Will Turn Out All Right. Do you want me to do the falsetto part? Don't worry, baby. Anyway, let's pray. Father, thanks so much for our morning. What a joy to be together in fellowship with you and with your saints. I pray now, Lord, that we would feel that this time of uh, being in your word would be a refreshment, that just waves would roll over us of refreshment, Lord, as we are ministered to by the Holy Spirit taking this ancient word and applying it to our modern lives. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And those who agreed said, amen. He was a fearless shepherd. He said of himself, I used to keep my father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it, delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. He was a fierce warrior. His victories were celebrated in a song in which it was said that while King Saul had slain thousands, he had slain tens of thousands. He was a phenomenal musical talent, inventing instruments and writing songs and psalms. We call him the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was a faithful king ruling over a united Israel. He was in fellowship with the Lord who identified him as a man after his own heart. These are some of the ways we see King David of Israel. How did David see himself? Well, look in verse 2. Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Not something you would expect. Psalm 131 is the third shortest psalm behind Psalm 117 and 134. In many commentaries, it is taught along with Psalm 130, not for thematic reasons, but simply because it's so brief, they want to deal with it and move on. But its brevity should cause us to pay even closer attention. I'll organize my comments around two points. Number one, do you want to be weaned or still weaning? And number two, do you wait like you're weaned or still weaning? Let's take a look in verses one and two at wanting to be weaned. Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, 272 words, it took two minutes to deliver. Roosevelt's Day of Infamy speech, seven and a half minutes long. I Have a Dream Today was delivered by Martin Luther King in 17 minutes. Arguably the greatest talk ever given, the Sermon on the Mount, can be delivered in around 20 minutes. Some of the greatest speeches in history were the briefest. There's a saying in stand-up comedy that a tight five is better than a sloppy 15. Charles Spurgeon, called the Prince of Preachers, related this story. An old preacher used to say to a young man who preached an hour, My dear friend, I do not care what else you preach about, but I wish you would always preach about 40 minutes. (laughs) Spurgeon also said, Brevity is a virtue which is within the reach of us all. David was inspired by the maturity of a weaned child, no longer a fussing, crying, demanding infant. It perfectly communicated what he wanted to say. It was powerful enough that it could almost stand alone, needing little more to drive it home to hearts. 
He showcased it using a few carefully inspired words in front of it and behind it. And so let's look at verses 1 and 2. A song of ascents of David. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. I'm sorry, my voice broke there because when I read surely, I thought, don't call me surely. But anyway... Here comes my disclaimer for today. I do a lot more disclaimers now because I want to be held harmless. Psalm 131 is not a teaching on how or when to wean a child. It's not addressing the breast versus bottle debate. I am not going to give you my advice. I know that might be a letdown for some of you, but I value my life. All right. Four things to immediately note. Number one, in his comparison, David assumed we would understand that a nursing infant is fussy, anxious, determined to get his or her next meal with strong cries. Uh, Number two, it's a positive step of growth to be weaned. At least once in the Bible, it was celebrated as an important passage in life. In Genesis 21.8, we read, So the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Number three, you should rather be a weaned child of God than remain an infant. And number four, being weaned in the spiritual sense is something the child of God can do for himself or herself. David said, I have calmed and quieted my soul. It was a decision that he made. Can we talk about those seven words for just a moment? I have calmed and quieted my soul. They're kind of like a breakout study all to themselves. I can't think of a better counsel for times in which that we are living today. COVID-19, the SCOTUS hearings, the November 3rd election, it's a time of turmoil. Law enforcement is under attack. Do you know who cops shoot more than anyone else? Themselves. In 2019, 228 current or former officers died by suicide compared with 172 in 2018. New York, California, and Texas always top the list. And those numbers are probably low because law officer suicide is not required to be uh, reported the same way other line of duty deaths are. And so we know that there are more suicides than are being reported. More firefighters die at their own hands than in the line of duty. Military suicides are up more than 20% in the COVID-19 era, and they were already very high. COVID-19 has brought an increase in cases of spousal abuse. Secular experts in many disciplines are warning of increased mental illness and suicides over the next several years as a toll from the government's extreme COVID-19 mandates. Not a political statement. Whether you agree or disagree with the government mandates, the result of what they've done is going to be turmoil in many, many hearts for decades to come. And there's going to be people murdering themselves, killing themselves like never before. Can we really say, calm and quiet your soul? If David could say it, we can. And so, yes, absolutely we can and should say it. We can say it because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. His resurrection seals the deal. He's the savior of all men potentially and definitely for those who believe. 
Believe in him and you're justified by God. He sees you in Jesus, just as if you'd never sinned. God the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is now on board in order for you to live a transformed life. You become, the Bible says, a new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. Your life is no longer your own, and that's a very good thing. You're set free to serve Jesus by discovering spiritual gifts that he gives and by performing the good works that he has prepared ahead of time for you to discover in your walk with him. When you sin, and you will, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. Where sin abounds, his grace much more abounds. You have the word of God, the Bible, in which you receive instruction in righteousness. Everything you need to live a godly life is in it. Whatever you read, you are enabled to do by the power of the indwelling spirit. So yeah, you can have calm and quiet if your soul is right with God by receiving Jesus. It starts there. You must be saved. If not, we can certainly talk about things that can uh, contribute to mental wellness and uh, mitigate stress like diet and exercise and moderation. But it's all like putting a Band-Aid on cancer without the knowledge of the Savior. With him, you can achieve calm and quiet in the midst of any turmoil. Let's read verse 2 again. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Our immediate response is, tell me how. We want the steps. It doesn't matter how many steps there are, so long as they are clearly marked out. Seven promises, 40 days of purpose, so many programs to choose from, so many suggested methods to implement and follow. Christians are right when we say Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. relationship. But we default to religion whenever we follow these programs. If you want some sort of relational guidelines, I'll suggest these two things. Number one, the book of Acts says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And so this is a time when the church was just being born, as it were, after the day of Pentecost. And uh, there were pilgrims from all over. uh, And they came to Christ due to the preaching of the gospel. And they wanted to hang around and learn about Jesus and what it meant to be a Christian. Uh, There was no real church for them to attend, no liturgy. It was just Peter preaching in the temple for a while. And they've naturally gravitated to four activities. They continued to hear the Bible taught, and and they were in fellowship with one another. Breaking of bread could be eating from house to house, but it might also be uh, the Lord's Supper, and in praying. And they they, they didn't have to go to a uh, completed Jewish bookstore and get the four steps towards maturity. This is just what Christians did and what they do. And second, look at it from the point of view of what Christians also seem to do naturally in our own generation. Uh, You become a Christian and then you want to pray and attend church and read the Bible and tell other people about Jesus. And somebody might tell you to do those things, but you already want to do them. And and it's just all very natural. And and so, um, no programs. David doesn't tell you how he calmed and quieted his soul. He tells you something far more important. He tells you that he did, and you can too. If you believe it, 
You'll learn from Jesus as you walk with him how to do it, obeying him, submitting to him, trusting him. Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Now, in our parenting, Pam and I followed a pretty strict schedule, and that included feeding times, nursing. The kids didn't like it at all, and they let us know that they didn't like it in their little baby way. They let the neighbors know they didn't like it. Luckily, we weren't living near the block captain for uh, neighborhood watch. If you could hear their cries close to scheduled feedings, you'd think that we were waterboarding them. A few times, we nearly cracked under the pressure. I know what you're thinking. What kind of a monster lets a baby cry? And I would say to you, they are the monsters. Little ones want milk. As cuddly cute as a nursing baby is with its occasional ooing and goo-gooing, it only wants and wants and wants. It seeks only its own satisfaction. The baby don't care if you're exhausted to the point of being disoriented. Got milk? Gotta have milk. Give me milk. The wean child with his mother, different creature altogether. Like a butterfly that comes out of his cocoon. It's like night and day. There are no outbursts of tortured cryings in order to be fed. There is calm. There is quiet. Oh, now, kids still do weird things, but, you know, your five-year-old doesn't suddenly, I want mother's milk. They've been weaned. They, they, they're normal. And so David, I'm exaggerating, sort of, but that's what David realized. He said, I'm no longer like a weaning child. And that's, that's the toughest part. I don't, I don't have any advice for you on that. Whether you go cold turkey or whether you, wean, I guess the word wean means that. You go a little at a time. But, but uh, uh, you know, uh, well, in, this, in Genesis it says the day he was weaned. For all we know, he could have been weaned in a day. In fact, I'm going to write a book. Weaned in a day. And people will buy it thinking it's parenting advice, but it's actually this Bible study. But anyway... Uh, when the child is actually being weaned, it's like, wait, what's going on? Am I going to get the milk or not? Uh, I used to, you know, one o'clock in the morning, <laughs> dad's running down the hall, mom's getting ready. I mean, wh what's going on here? And that, that child is a wicked child. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they are weaned. And it's like, I'm surprised we don't have more weaning celebrations around here, Right? Ladies, what's the matter with you? It'd be a good thing for guys, too. Some of you guys, of course, some of you guys are thinking, what do you mean get up in the middle of the night? Well, you think I'm some kind of woman? Uh, you know, yeah. I'm creating more problems this morning than I'm solving, that's for sure. I dare you to have a weaning party. But anyway, Davis was experiencing this calm, this quiet. He was the kid that you would compliment in the grocery store, not the kid that was biting your leg. It wasn't because nothing was turmoiling around him. He, he wasn't able to be weaned because there were no problems. We don't know when he penned this, but most of his life seasons are enough to cause anxiety just reading about them. He was letting you know that it's possible spiritually to live in the eye of the storm. And he said it was his choice and your choice. Verse 2 is the theme and inspiration of this psalm, and it looks back now to verse 1. Where Let's read it again. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. 
One of the 15 songs sung on annual pilgrimages to Jerusalem, this one strongly encouraged Israelites to enjoy their visit as a time of rest and refreshing. And that's your decision. In your circumstances, you can act like a weaning child, crying, fussing, whining, or you can realize you're a weaned child of God. You can know the calm and quiet rest in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. David gave a list of things uh, that came to him here. My heart is not haughty. My eyes aren't lofty. I'm not concerned with great matters or things too profound for me. These aren't steps you take in order to be weaned. These are the results of being weaned. They're not responsibilities. And we can see them as four characteristics of the weaned child of God. Typically, you look at them one at a time and take a stab at defining them. But I think it'd be better to see them in action. Gino and I were talking last week, and he reminded me that the Bible is its best illustrator. In other words, the Bible is, uh, common, uh, is its own good commentary. And so a lot of times you can, uh, instead of going to a dictionary and trying to decide what a word means, you can go to the Bible and find a narrative or a story or an example uh, of what it means. And it's, it's, it fleshes it out in a neat way that uh, just words can't. And now David could certainly act like he was still a baby. Uh, he, he had no trouble doing that. Uh, one time he was on his way, well, his men went down to collect some tribute that was owed to him, and Nabal insulted David and his men. And when they came back and told David, he says, saddle up and ride, get your swords, we're killing everybody down there, I can't wait. And, and so he rushed off headlong towards his destruction until Abigail, the wife of this foolish man, stopped him in the middle of the road and said, you're David, you shouldn't be doing this. And David uh, relented of that. And so he could act like a baby. But there were times you see him as a weaned child of God. Saul was the first king of Israel, chosen by people mostly because he could dunk. He was tall, Saul, described this way. This is his description in 1 Samuel. As handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. And so he's kind of like me, only taller. <laughs> He quickly proved himself a poor choice. God sent the prophet Samuel to anoint young David as the king. And for at least a decade, maybe 13 years, Saul treated David as a fugitive, seeking to murder him. On one occasion, when Saul and his men were chasing down David, the king stopped, went into a cave to relieve himself. He was unaware that David was hiding deeper in that same cave. David's men were ecstatic. They came to the conclusion all of us would have come to. They said to David, this is the day which the Lord has said to you. Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. In other words, this is over. God has delivered Saul into our hand. We're going to murder him right now. And then this happened. David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had done this. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his men with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. What a remarkable response. You can find all four of the characteristics from our psalm in that story, and a lot more. And it's not the only time David spared Saul's life. He understood that, you know, he had to walk with the Lord. 
And until the Lord removed Saul, Saul was the Lord's anointed. uh, and, And David was willing to wait on the Lord no matter what it cost. Now, a baby David might have demanded his own way and killed Saul, but a weaned David would not. So the answer to our question is, of course I want to be a weaned child of God. Then be one. Calm and quiet your soul. It's a one-step program. It seems too easy, and it's admittedly easier said than done. Nevertheless, David did it, and that means you can too. And you're never going to do it unless you believe it's possible. And that's what David is saying this morning that's so powerful. He says, he says you can act like a weaned child. Anytime you want, in any situation you want, it's easier sounding than it's done. But as you walk with Jesus, knowing that you can do it with the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll do it. Do you wait like you're weaned or still weaning? What is called an hour, but only lasts 45 to 50 minutes and usually takes place once a week. It's the therapeutic hour. Pretty standard among psychiatrists, psychologists, marriage and family counselors, and the like. And it seems to have carried over into the church when there is what people call counseling. One professional said, there doesn't seem to be a consensus on exactly when this therapeutic hour was established, but it has remained the industry standard. One reason it has remained the industry standard has nothing to do with any empirical data that it works better, has to do with your insurance. That's how they base their reimbursements. And so you can have counseling if you want it for 45 to 50 minutes a week for a certain period of time, uh, whether it's working or not. Or you can read Psalm 131 in under 25 seconds and let it read you this way. Start as we did with verse 2 as a reminder that you can be like this wean child, calm and quiet. Next, judge your actions and reactions in your circumstances by the characteristics listed in verse 1. And then finally, go about your business focusing on hope. We'll see that in verse 3. A quick word about judging yourself. Easy to convince ourselves we do not have a haughty heart or lofty eyes, that we are not concerning ourselves with great matters or with things too profound. David's men essentially thought that they knew more than God, and so they could step in and kill Saul when God had not uh, given the order or removed Saul. And so they would have judged themselves as godly, uh, and yet we know that they were not. Jonah, absolutely, totally backslidden, 180 degrees running in the wrong direction, sound asleep in the belly of the ship while the storm raged that was going to kill everybody on board including the non-believing pagan crew. And yet he slept like a baby, right? You would think, wow, man of God, he must know something we don't. He did, but it wasn't good. And and so you, you can think that he was spiritual, but he wasn't. I suggest that you let the Lord lead you to a passage of Scripture, preferably a story, and ask yourself, who am I in this story? Both Jonah and Jesus slept in storms, but which are you? You can be completely in the right, but be reacting like the brother of the prodigal son. I think you get the idea. So when I'm asked to meet with folks, I like to ask them if the Lord has given them any verses. I try to listen for the Lord to give me something from the word for them. It could take a therapeutic hour or more. It could take 20 seconds. Uh, And so it's very important. We want to hear from the Lord. I don't really have any advice for you about anything. Maybe you didn't know that. 
but the Lord might, and he might use me because I'm in a certain position, or use you because you're in a certain position, but you have to hear from the Lord. And I know I've offended tons of people over the years in counseling. Because at one point, if the Lord says something or gives me an indication of where, you know, he wants to go with it, I'll just interrupt. And I'll tell him at the beginning, I say, I might interrupt you. And then I do interrupt him. Everybody gets mad. Uh, But I say, hey, let's talk about the story of Naaman the leper or Nabal the fool or the prodigal son or the woman caught in adultery. And, And God will minister to people through that. And then we're done. 20 seconds, 20 minutes, two and a half hours. I don't know. Uh, that's between the Lord and, and the person. Uh, but if you really want to help people, uh, you don't really need books on how to counsel or things like that. You just have to have some working knowledge of a few, uh, of the Bible and, and really just trust the Lord and say, Lord, I, you're going to have to talk to me because I don't know what to say to this person. And that's why a lot of times when Christians get counseling, it, it tends towards legalism because there's a pressure to give somebody something to do. Uh, so that they feel like they're making progress. And in reality, so often, uh, people just need to realize who they are in Jesus Christ or confess their sin or, or something like that. And so I maintain that you are your own best counselor. Not that you'll never need to talk to anybody or that it's not valuable to do that, but you are your own best counselor if you are depending on the Word of God because you know everything about your life. You know everything that's going on. Even if you are 100% honest, you can't let someone else know everything they need to know in order to make a judgment about what's going on in your life. And that, again, is why it needs to be supernatural. The Lord has to reveal something supernaturally because you're not getting the full picture. Uh, I, I don't know how many, time, I, I, how many times I've, couple, I've counseled with couples, and then, you know, over a, a long period of time, uh, only to find out that one of them is in living in sin and that they're not really trying to put their marriage back at all, uh, and different things like that. It, it's frustrating. And that's why you're your own best counselor, because you know all those details. And, um, and the word, you know, Peter said, everything you need for life and godliness is in the word of God. And uh, you can discover it. And he's given you the Holy Spirit to implement it. After spending time with the Lord, David gave this counsel to Israel. Verse 3, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Hope in the Lord is the certainty that he will keep every promise, that he will never change, that he can never, not ever forsake you. Things like that that are profound. It is the certainty that to live is Christ and to die is gain. It is knowing that to be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. It is knowing we shall not all die, but that we shall all be transformed in the rapture. It is understanding that the wicked will be raised to a judgment followed by eternal conscious punishment. And David says, hope from this time forth. Forget the things that are behind you. If you fall and get up and get back in the race... Looking to finish strong, go and sin no more. Forever is a great last word. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to a place where everybody knows my name. I won't cry anymore. Who can mind the journey when the road leads home? C.S. Lewis said, Has this world been so kind to you that you should leave it with regret? There are better things ahead than anything we leave behind. 
Wait on the Lord as a weaned child. Yes, all of us will still act as fussy, demanding infants at times. Let's recognize when we are acting that way and instead choose to calm and quiet our souls and to be a source of calm and quiet to others.